0: All right. Welcome to Good to Geek Out. Good place to go to geek out. If you got kids that want to geek out, they can come geek out. They're uh, in Rob Lucy's background, but you guys can't see them yet. You'll see them in a minute. We'll probably pop there.
1: There's one of them. Say hi, Gavin. Hi.
0: There they are. Special guest today. (laughs) Special guest. We got generational geeking out going today. Uh, Here to cover The Mandalorian, Chapter 15, True Believer. We got myself my boys and uh some kids generations okay. what's up fellas
1: doing good rob lucy coming at you from phoenix oregon shall we rise from the ashes? charlotte and gavin special guest today with with a different hey. perspective
2: a fresh perspective that's the perspective you we were looking for right Ed? that those fresh eyes uh to help us guide through the show the the new person. Um, I'm Rob Boba Fresh, San Francisco, LA born, and really looking forward to going back to morack with you on a geek attack, Zach Attack, Lego
1: Maniac. Where is Zach the Lego Maniac today? Mm. Hmm. Good question. Good question. Do not know. Probably under quarantine for the COVID.
2: You'd <laughs> <Need laughs> hope. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, first, before we start, shout out to uh, Super Bobby Four Twenty on this episode. Um, the way the episode begun was uh, pretty interesting, right? We get to see the Adats again in the junkyard. I like this cold open a lot. Inmate three four six six seven. What's his name? Wait, May- May- Mayfield. Mayfield, does it doesn't Bill Burr sound like a more made up name than Mayfield somehow? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe. Explain that.
0: How's that? How's that real life? Um, I did. I, it is pretty dope. Like especially as being like a Star Wars person, and we see all these uh, remnants of the Empire. We get to see just a Empire junkyard, a little mm-hmm. little Walker on its side. You get the close ups like. Um, uh, it, it was it was pretty good, and then you know, right before it ends, you get the. Uh, he doesn't even call him Boba. He calls him Fett. No one's called him Fett in Star Wars yet. To the Fett, would you guys think about it? Uh, I I thought the uh,
1: the opening um, with the giant attack cranes uh, visually was amazing. I think this 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 episode does pose um, and actually uh, literally ask some serious moral questions. Uh, here we get to see the, the, the gray area between prisoner and slave uh, <laughs> that, that the Republic is going for. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he wasn't the only one on that planet, and uh, they need labor, too. Um, kind of brought me back to some of the things that we talked about during some of the Clone Wars episodes. Um, and previously on The Mandalorian about some of the uh, moral ambiguity, depending on which perspective uh, you're coming at. Uh, the star wars unit universe from um what do you think rob
2: uh yeah no, i agree we're a lot of stuff just got thrown at the wall right there so i'm gonna uh, go at it at a linear way and say that with just the intro It was dope. Um, We're talking about Mayfield. We're we're already excited to see him in a weird way. He seems very expendable. He can die throughout the entire episode. But the fact that we see him in the junkyard with a bunch of other discarded Imperial remnants that are uh, destroyed through the uh, means of battle and war. And he's sitting there breaking them down while an adat in the background is being repurposed also for this junkyard duty. So you have just this like poetic setup. And then you get the prison guard that was on the ship before, but this one's all dirtied and you know, like doing its job. But you still get the redemption almost for the droids to be Mm -hmm. like, well, he's still, he's still like under under the, you know, they got back in like this, in this way. so I think the intro worked real well with the intro, with everything. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was moody. It was cool
0: and moody. So before we do leave that intro, I would like to say how dope it was that you could see the gears on Slave 1. Oh, on the inside? While Whoa. they're talking, and you can finally, it finally makes sense how that ship moves in so many different directions, and yet the people inside don't spill their drink. Yeah, I thought
1: that was amazing too. Hey, if you so get-
0: too, they didn't even like call attention to it. It's like you had to be pay- you had to know and pay attention. It's just another another uh, reason why this show is like uh, just pay attention to all the stupid details no one cares about except for people like us. On that note, <laughs> uh, Nail. off to Morak, off to Morak we go. The secret mining hub, uh, Fett. Punch it, and there you go. Or punch in the coordinates. I think is what he says. Um, uh, they're, they're crewed up. This crew is pretty tight, and we see it the second they land. Uh, what do you guys think from that landing? On? Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: I I really um, I thought it was it was cool. It it does uh, show a, a very big plot hole that has been part of Star Wars. I think since the the very uh, since since the since Star Wars uh, Episode Four. And that we live in this futuristic or we're seeing this futuristic uh, galaxy with weapons and things. But it turns out all you need to do to get through the most sophisticated security is pop on a stormtrooper outfit and you're in. (laughs) Uh,
2: So I think that,
1: again,
2: the way that they drop in the tropes with the various episodes they hit us real quick with the Western and they go deep into the Western motif again with this one. And the juggernaut train heist is done great as they move through slow. And again, with these uh, indigenous worlds, like we see how the people are getting exploited and um, Bill Burr with his line and like, it doesn't matter if it's the empire or the new Republic, you know, like who's, who's doing what to them it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. And I think on various levels that works right now in the political scope of the world that we live in, there's a lot of people who feel that they why should they even engage in the political realm? Like, why should they vote if they're not doing anything? So I think that it hit home on a this different resonance, but also when we're thinking that this is a, a, a call to a Western, so these are not, analogous to um, indigenous Americans or their, um, or it's Vietnam and, and you know, like their, their native Vietnamese who were just caught in the middle. And, and so it's cool the way that they go back to the first season, cause that's the real feeling of that fourth episode when we finally like he gets out there with a the woman and, and saves the, uh, the, everyone in the rice paddies. Um, so I thought it was real cool the way that they had the train. They're kind of just looking out. And then you just start seeing the destroyed juggernauts. And we don't really know why the juggernauts are destroyed. Like the, the way that they kept the story away from us mm. and, and slowly revealed it was really, really a treat. I think they did a great job.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because it's a very slow build up with the, the audio cutoffs. And then you don't get the visual for a few minutes. I think Bill Burr is still like like ending his speech when it starts. So it's like this weird uh fade out into uh what ends up happening and then, then they start talking about what's actually on the juggernaut, the rhydonium and it's explosive and all like it, it's it feels like every like three minutes they're dropping, adding something to it, but not to the point where, well, maybe occasionally to the point where it becomes like this is too much, or like you guys are just trying to throw shit to the wall and see what sticks like it all kind of makes sense it's all kind of uh congruent with what has already happened in the series this season and then it also calls back to shit that happened last season so like you know kudos good for you that's better than the last three star wars movies if you look at them together <laughs> Like best star wars in 20 years i'm telling you yeah
1: yeah sure
0: you missed the entire pirate Quote
2: unquote, uh, uh, Native Americans running up on these uh, on the train, uh, uh, trying to uh, hijack the train, even though they can't really do anything to it. And so, like, again, this uh, the beautiful Western motifs that they end up putting on. And so, they had those skiffs come, and these guys are trying to jack him, and he's got to get out. And you see, first of all, they're good shots. (laughs) It's funny when uh, Mando's gun. Clip runs empty, and he's got to go hand to hand. But again, that's why I think you get the indigenous feel because these guys are working with spears and thermal detonators, and and the breadth of technology difference that is is pretty significant. Like, so it's almost I want to say like one shot rifles and uh, bow and arrows, like you know like muskets and bow and arrows, like uh, this happening. So the fight scenes were cool; they meant something. It was very reminiscent of the Firefly, uh, Serenity movie uh, chase scene when they're leaving the town in the beginning and they're getting chased by the Reavers. So uh, a lot of this design was all interwoven into just an awesome thing. But what I think is getting up to your, your point about the celebration, I think what is dope is that we get the Imperial side of this experience. And when we get the Imperial TIE fighter being the Millennium Falcon in New Hope, and he's like, woo Yeah, they're saved, you know? So like to run this, um, to to, to switch the prism and and to change the angle, it's kind of like when Barney Stinson starts talking way back when about uh, Cobra Kai and Karate Kid and, And now here we are with Cobra Kai and Karate Kid, but um, that if you look at, depending on your lens, you know, like who's the bad guy when, you know, when they're all exploiting you anyway.
0: Um, Okay. So once again, so much happened very quickly. As I said earlier, it's like every three minutes, something's popping or you're getting some information. Uh, I actually gleamed over something myself. Uh, the, The Mando out of armor. Uh, you get to see him be himself without the armor. You've never seen that, this whole series. And it's also a little bit of um, a reminder of Boba Fett last episode before he got his armor. Just so you know, these dudes are badass dudes with, with or without the armor. And the armor is almost like Batman. You know, well, who uh, do you make the suit or what? Like Batman, Bruce makes, well, Batman makes Batman. Um and yeah, I'll-
2: and on that, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And they did a great job throughout the season seating the armor and him softening on this position, as opposed to the first season what it was with the armorer and he's just Mandalorian and, like, the, it's, it's all about the, the click. And in and, and this one, by seeing Boba Fett still practice the ways of Mandalore, he's immediately put into a, okay, this is something I can be respectful. Excuse me. Something I can be respectful and still do. But we also see him, this is kind of a callback to his meeting with Bo-Katan earlier in the season and her being like, yeah, those are uh, religious nuts. who don't take their helmets <laughs> off. So, I mean, it's,
0: if you want to go. It's also a testament to what he's willing to do to get, uh, Grogu back. Uh, Lucy, what did you think about any about that celebration? How- yeah,
1: it, it reminded me of um, Maverick uh, and uh, I think it was uh, not Iceman. Hey, uh, Maverick and Iceman coming landing back on the, the, the Nimitz class aircraft carrier, and everybody's on the flight deck cheering them on. And um, you know, they they well, you can see uh, Mayfield is kind of reveling in it, but he also knows that he has a job to do. Um, so it, it did humanize. It, you know, it was one of the first scenes ever um, in Star Wars where it's humanized. Um, you know, the the just basic Imperial soldier. It was uh, Ray, or uh, excuse me, Finn was able to do that uh, a bit in the uh, um, most you know, recent movies.
2: I would uh, I would argue, if we're gonna talk about Episode Four, uh, the two stormtroopers discussing the recent T-17. Skyhopper coming out with an excellent way to look into just the average life of an Imperial uh, at that day and age. So, um, excuse me while I get my glasses back up my nose. And Um, no, I think you're completely right. And the fact that they are showing, they're showing the humanistic side, they're showing like, oh, like we, you made it, we made it. Uh, It taps into The thing about Mayfield about what he liked about being in the service and so like let's also be real like this is uh you know talking about the Vietnam War and 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 all that like there's a lot of the trauma that ends up coming out Mm -hmm. of the war about and in just any war where generals are just throwing soldiers uh into the meat grinder and so the second that Mayfield gets back there and he's like oh this is what I love like i love my the camaraderie of being a soldier like the camaraderie of like boots on the ground who are this is us we're doing something together band of brothers they were a
1: band of brothers
2: a band of brothers exactly (laughs) Exactly. And and i was actually curious about your opinion on that lucy as a veteran yourself
1: yeah well certainly like uh you can see it on both sides uh combat you know brings you closer together you have to watch each other's backs um And just to, you know, kind of reiterate what we've both been talking about, I've been talking about, um, you know, it shows you that these aren't just, you know, mindless stormtroopers, there's people inside those suits. Um, And, you know, in in a few minutes following this, after they figured it out, and he says, hey, I can't go in there, that was my commander back in the day, and he might recognize me, and I don't want to take that risk. I don't know why you just didn't put your helmet back on, that's neither here nor there, but... um, and then he then he says, "Yeah, I did serve under you, you know." And then they they'll have the speech. I don't know if you want to get straight to that point, but um, he was like, "Hey, you, you know, I saw ten thousand of my brothers die that day. It was a massacre." And then the commander was like, "Well, sacrifices had to be made. You know, they felt you know their the sacrifice was was duly noted. They should be proud." And he's like, "They never went back to their families, man." He's like, "Ah, well,
0: but we're still here. We're here
1: now." Heroes of the so From from his perspective, he's like, "Man, that's PTSD. That that PTSD just all came rushing back." When he was like, "Yeah, well, we're here now," and that's when he, you know, he's like, "All right," and you know, caps him, um, and and it starts their escape scene, which uh, which was a really cool scene.
0: So for, for people who oh. don't know, and I don't know if even you guys know what Operation Cinder was, which was basically yeah. the trigger.
2: Oh, uh, uh, do do I know? What, no, yeah. Uh, tell us, <laughs> uh, if you uh, played Battlefront Two and you uh, went through as Jin Urso and thus followed the storyline, uh, multiplayer was quite fascinating. But they offered a single player uh, 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 option, and it turns out that her father is the admiral, and he was going to uh, uh, l- allow the emperor's final plan to just fucking burn it to the ground. Uh, so yeah, Operation Cinder was a plan of the Emperor to basically salt the earth throughout the universe and uh, destroy any useful planets. The exchange, once again, with the Western appeal of this Southern-drawled uh, officer right and yeah and, and you just like I don't like him like you know even like they, teeth, make,
0: they even his teeth were like off- colored like it was just weird how much how like uh. and it wasn't yeah, even it, it wasn't even Nazi-ish but it felt like that <laughs> was weird no
2: because it's not Nazi it's a confederate it's a different, it's yeah, yeah. different. That, that was the thing that it was ours it wasn't Nazis it yeah, was very homegrown very and, so you're right and the insidious insidiousness of his nature and the way that he was just like it's a meek grinder this is what happens but when he takes pride in saying but they're all heroes of the empire and that's when mayfield loses it and again just like great tension and build up because you also have that flip of uh mando being there like dude do, don't yeah, do, do, don't, don't, yeah. Do, don't, 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 don't do this
1: uh uh all great, but one thing i noticed about the Mandalorian without the helmet, he did not have that same confidence and swagger with the helmet off. He kind of looked almost lost, like, hey, bud, help me out here. I, I don't know how to act in public without my, uh, without my helmet on, um, which I thought was, uh, was interesting and a great directorial um, focus.
2: Something actually that reminded me of that I wanted to point out back on the train scene, when he's fighting with those dudes, he has his back turned and he gets whacked and the uh, guys hit him and the uh, Imperial armor shatters and all that. It's because he's used to wearing Beskar. And so like, he's just like, yeah, I don't turn around. Like, you know, like I like there's so much of my fighting style that is already absorbed in this. And so you see that adaption already happening as he's uh, moving into this thing. And to go back to the big point, uh, you know, we're <laughs> kind of forgetting like the whole thing that's starting it off is, us waiting to see if he's going to take the helmet off or not because we haven't like i mean
1: i like that's how good that scene was with bill burr funny about that scene like i was watching i think um i was watching it with gavin and then gavin charlotte was in her room or something she's like charlotte the mandalorian took off his helmet and then charlotte came (laughs) running out to see what he looked like she's like oh okay
0: (laughs) No, no but you're right though it is seated because he's when Bill Burr is having his, what I call the born on the 4th of July speech, uh, you know, he says a lot of things that are directed towards Mando about his creed and about Alderaan and Mandalore and how they don't exist anymore and all these different things. And his response is silence and looking straight forward. And that's what he ends up doing the rest of the episode without his mask on because he is being challenged and confronted And you don't really get to – you can see his, like, uncomfortableness with the mask on. But once it's off, there's no hiding. And you can just see him, like, looking around and not knowing what to say and stuff. And, I mean, it's it's really well done because you can go back and watch it and see. Like we just mentioned, like, we had to go back on comments, on ideas, because we keep going forward. And you're like, oh, yeah, what about this that I saw? What about this that I saw? Because there is so much to see in this episode. It's really well done. I enjoyed it.
2: Uh, that actually reminds me of something before we get into the awesome, uh, damn escape scene. Um, I was like, Ed hasn't called this a filler episode. What's that? This is 100% what you normally would say, ah, ah like, but do did, did we learn anything? Like, did it move the story forward? Um, not at all, <laughs> not at all. What is it was a beautiful. Exactly, but it wasn't a filler. It gave, us, uh, it gave us a fun break from all of this stuff, but the stakes are still high because of Grogu in, uh, in the background. Um, but getting on to – so Mayfield shoots, dude, and they just kind of like all look around. And again, Mayfield's a sharpshooter, and he's just boom, boom, boom. And, and uh, the way everything goes down, again, this saloon, uh, the shootout in the saloon is just – beautifully done and the way that the guys run in it's like the uh the saloon doors and everything and they're just like as soon as they bah, 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 um just well choreographed for something that wasn't like a dynamic fight scene like we had on the top of the train like it wasn't martial arts and all of this like they made a gunfight exciting and sensible like gunfights aren't quick like you know like you're, um
1: these things kill you in a shot. That's that's what they're designed to do. I really like the escape scene. Um, he you know he he surprised everybody and he took out his his former uh, commander, uh, which hastens their escape. Uh, what I thought w- was a little ironic after him talking about how important you know his band of brothers, if you will, uh, was is he, he does take that sniper shot and blow up the uh, the radium, uh thus killing the dozens, if not hundreds of soldiers or stormtroopers we just saw inside that base, uh, which he was just um, uh, pissed at his former commander from for you know basically sacrificing a lot of people. But it, it played to the point and also redeemed him in the eyes of-, um, of Cardoon. Uh, yeah, Car, Car, uh, Cardoon. She was like, oh, okay. It, it sounded like she was just ready to take him straight back to prison when they were all done. So why would he even agree to do it in the first place? But um, he kind—it's it, a nice walk-off into the sunset moment for him. You know, not a bad planet to be on. He's—he's—he's he's, he's resourceful. You know, it seems mean, like
0: it's lush and green. He doesn't have to deal with the empire. It's also an excuse to give that classic Star Wars trope of looking over someone's shoulder while a ship <laughs> flies away for the millionth yeah. time. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then, you know, it, it leads into the, to the very final scene where Cardoon is, so, you know, what's our next move? And um, surprisingly, Mandalorian announces he's coming for Baby Yoda
0: with the crew straight to Moff Gideon. What did you think about that? I, I thought it was dope. I did not realize. I thought it was, like, heartwarming. It kind of gave me chills. And it wasn't until the second time I realized he was addressing Moff Gideon's message from season one. Right. I, I they mm-hmm. um they have that in the recap in the very beginning of oh, the uh and the just, episode. Then I'm not paying attention. Oh, and of course
2: the seismic bomb when the TIE fighters were following them and oh um, awesome. and, 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 that was
0: another great reason to watch episode two. There's not many. I told you last episode, like that Fet episode maybe. Um, and I did. And one of the things I liked about that was when he starts dropping the seismic charges. When they're going through the asteroid field and i was like yes it wasn't wasted but it was <laughs> um and yeah and then finally yeah
2: the yo i'm gonna i'm gonna call you up homie i'm coming for you what up yeah. like right. like that call out was dope and it reminded me earlier in the season when <laughs> mando walks in with the baby and uh, into the fighting ring, the Gamoran fighting ring, like when we're setting the tone. And I'm like, don't do that with the baby. And I'm like, oh, wait, you're the Mandalorian. Like, you you ain't tripping. <laughs> like, you ain't scared of nobody. And so, like, to have that same confidence, like, get re here. And he's like, yeah, I'm coming. And I want to give it up to Moff Gideon for looking pissed and a little concerned. And, like, you know, like, he had a lot of expression of and it. That man is an amazing actor. Uh, Esposito is amazing, like an actor. And... Uh, I think they've done
0: a great job. I think they did a really great job. I agree with you there. I agree. All right. On that note, let's uh, close it out. Editor San Antonio, um, I did not go across, because they might recognize my face, the, Bo- the the Boba Fett line that was just dropped, that was funny <laughs> as fuck, and nobody knew what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> they've just based the whole fucking clone army on (laughs) space right here. They might recognize me.
1: Yeah.
0: Great. No, it's so subtle too. He only has like two lines in the episode, dude. Like they're setting him up really well for his uh, series. They're not spoiling him. (laughs) Hey, Rob
1: Lucy signing out from uh, Southern Oregon. Uh, Good talking about this episode. Hey, can't wait till next. It's, it's not even It's this week. We are five days away from the finale heading into Christmas. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking about it with my friends. See you next week. Boba Fresh,
2: San Francisco. This is the way.